seated. Talking about healthy last week, that's exactly what I spoke about. And I did so from the question, what does it look like to be healthy? It's an important question, not only for us in our daily lives individually, but it is important for us as a congregation. And I'm talking here about St. Michael. And it's important to understand, by way of rethinking this, that Healthy doesn't mean we don't have any problems. Everybody's got problems, but what is healthy is how we address those problems. That we address them actively and responsibly. You see, living with problems and pain is not only the way things are, but for us, it is as a congregation something we do under the guidance of God that makes all the difference. And if there's one word to bring all this together, being healthy is about Jesus. Jesus. He is the center. He's the thing that brings us together, keeps us together, and for that reason is the main mark of being healthy. Which then is a good segue to talk about passion. Passion, God's and ours, that results from His. What is your passion, anyway? You heard that question? You probably answered it as well. A lot of people ask that question to get to know you, and you hear it, and you got to put your finger on it, what it is that actually makes you passionate. And sometimes we ask ourselves the question to help us learn more about ourselves. When the Bible uses that word passion it often, especially in the New Testament letters, it talks about the evil passions that grab hold of God's people and everybody else. The passions that lead us away from God, not to Him. But for our purposes, we talk about the healthy passions. Those passions where we can get wrapped up with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds like that healthy passion that man had with Jesus, just heard in today's Gospel, whose faith was passionate, so much so that he didn't even need Jesus to go to his house to heal, but just his Word. That was what passion looked like. But there are some passions that aren't, like the Bible's, not the greatest. In fact, there are wrongful passions. And for congregations, a lot of times, and whether you're a member of this congregation or not, I think this is important, that sometimes a wrongful passion can be the how of a congregation. How we do things. How we don't do things. You know, I read a story about some guests to a church. And they were warmly greeted, and they saw wonderful appointments all throughout the church. Well-marked up-to-date, clean, and all the rest. Beautiful sanctuary. But somebody noticed a big book amidst all of that and went out of interest and opened the book, and you know what was in there? A policy and procedure book. Big and thick that said how to do this, how to do that. Don't do this. You better not do that. 
It was a bunch of directions. It was a bunch of rules. And it said something about that congregation's passion. The how they did things. That that seemed to the guest as a wrongful passion, which it is. That that was the main driver in who they were and what they did. And connected to that often is this business of tradition. You know, this is the way we do things here. You better not do them differently. This is the way we've been doing them for years. Just, just trust us and we got to do it this way. Traditions can be good. They can be very good. But they can so much focus a congregation that they become a passion that's a wrongful passion. And along with that, so often is the issue, the wrongful passion of money. I mean, how often doesn't money crop up in any area of life and become an all-consuming kind of thing? It happens with churches, too. Sometimes being retired and going from church to church the last number of years, I see in the notes for congregation a big spread about the financial stability or instability of the congregation. Sometimes it takes up a page or a half a page, and for someone walking in, it's like, well, I guess I know what the driver here is. I guess I know what their passion is. It's about the dollar. It is about what we can do and what we can't do. So often that's what happens when congregations put a budget together. The dollar rules. How much do we expect? Therefore, what can we do? And you stop and think about it, and that's what drives the mission of so many people as they come together as a church. The dollar speaks, and we follow. And sometimes that message is loud and clear and limits. It limits rather than opens up the door as ministry opportunities opens the door which is closely linked to another passion that is not a good one, and that is got to survive. It's a survival passion. And there are a lot of churches, especially these days, that are on the edge of viability. Can we make it or can we not? What's the money? And, and we don't want to be the ones who close this church. Can we make it? Can we keep it open and the doors open for what we need to do and for what other people need? I've seen this, and maybe you have as well. Congregations teetering on the edge. And we're going to see more and more of this all the time as the challenge of churches becomes that. And then the focus becomes simply, directly, in, in an all-consuming kind of way. We've we got to keep this going. And that stands at the heart of wholehearted effort. Hospice care is what I would call that from a pastor's perspective. Just keeping things alive until they, the congregation dies. Counterproductive, each and every one of those three. But there is a rightful passion. It's the passion that Jesus points us toward. And he is the passion. He's the one we connect with to understand God's passion. Think about a wheel. 
And the hub of the wheel is where everything hangs together. And that's Jesus. And it's from that wheel that all the spokes go outward. We begin with Jesus. And from the outside perspective, everything directs, everything connects with Jesus. That's the picture of passion all put together. Jesus at the center. Jesus the main thing. No Jesus, there's no church. No Jesus, and there is nothing about us to make us different or helpful. He is at the core of our identity. We are Christian, following disciples of Jesus. That gives us passion. That gives us what we need to be whom God calls us to be. That's why it's related to the second most important passion that we have, and that is simply the passion Jesus gave us. He gave it when he was about to leave the earth. And you know, when somebody is about to leave or someone is about to die, what they say lingers. What they say is important. What they say is really, really important. And remember what Jesus said before he left. As you're going, make disciples. Make followers of me, baptizing them and teaching them. That's the mission he gave as Matthew records it. Or as the book of Acts records some of those words of Jesus on the same occasion. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's our mission. That's our passion. That's what we are called to do to go, to be witnesses, to help people, to help them physically, to help them spiritually. Not one or the other, but both together. That's who Jesus was, what he did, and that's what he gave us to do as well. Do you remember when he was here on earth, Jesus said, the Son of Man, I came to seek and to save the lost. And with the words I just mentioned, he made us a part of that mission, of his mission, of his being in us in the world today as the very body of Christ. Not just a few, but all of us. That's all of our mission. By the way, you know, sometimes, sometimes Christians and churches think, well, that's, that's the pastor's job. Well, you know what? got to listen to Jesus, for one. But you also have to realize how it works out. You realize that 6% of the people who come to Jesus, you know, people who study this, 6% of the people come because of the pastor. It may not seem intuitive or correct, but it is. 86% of the people who come to faith and live in faith are due to the people of God, to the followers, to the church, to the congregation. And in this regard, there are two things that are important and maybe obvious in our life together as a congregation. I call them in-reach and outreach. To to reach in is one of those things we do to, to stay healthy ourselves. And again, context being a congregation. That's a kind of natural thing to take care of ourselves. It if we don't, there's something wrong. But it is part of being normal. It's even part of being healthy, but only a part. And some congregations do very, very well reaching in. 
having come to faith, that people gather to grow in that faith, to understand God's word more and more, to be able to put it in practice more and more. We've been brought to faith. We've got to keep the faith is the understanding. We have to keep the faith so that one day we will be totally reunited, reunited now, but reunited forever with God in heaven. Is all this true? Absolutely. But think about this. If that's all there is to a Christian congregation, if that is all there is to church health, put in another way, it's all about us. It's all about me. And you understand that that's not the full calling that Jesus gave us. It's not all about us. It's not all about me. Hanging on. Not losing the faith. Growing the faith. That's not all of it. That's like those wrongful passions I was speaking about. Not just in reach, but reaching out. Outreach. This is the passion for the lost that Jesus had. That's a passion that touched you and me, and therefore a passion that come out of us, produced in us by the passion of God. And you understand that when this happens, all those wrongful passions begin to disappear. They begin slowly but surely to go by the wayside. And they do so when we get wrapped up when the dominating force in our life is that that Jesus gave us, that that which Jesus practiced, reaching out with God's love to others. The others, the wrongful passions, they melt away. The how to do things and how not to. The money, the instinct survival. Those passions, gone. You know, it's very interesting sometimes to realize that a congregation's budget tends to be all about the dollar. But when it is about the mission... By the way, the dollar is important. I mean, that's a part of an organizational life. But that's, all, that's not all the Church of Jesus Christ is about. It's a part. But the primary part is about our mission. And the dollars, in a sense, they are to reflect the mission. They are to fund the mission so that we can live with the passion we've received and the passion that God works in our hearts. All revolving around inreach, but also outreach. And speaking about reaching out, do you know what the third biggest mission field in the world is today? The United States of America. The third biggest mission place. About 40% of church, of 40% of our people go to church on a given weekend. I mean, 18%, 40% of communities don't know the love of God in Jesus Christ. 18% attend church on a weekend, 40% have no connection at all. And 90% of Christian churches either are on a plateau you know, with things as they are and with passions being redirected, 90% of churches are there or declining because the passion rightfully isn't there. That's why perhaps over 3,000 churches close per year. 
3,000 Christian churches. You know, the, the paradigm that often is in people's minds, and I remember particularly earlier was, build a church, build the steeple, and people see it, and people come. And what the idea was is basically Jesus, the cross, is a magnet. And everybody knows it's here because we built the church and you can see it. And if you want to know more, if you want to be a Christian, come and be drawn. What Jesus said, however, is as you're going, as you're going, teach people and baptize people. Be my witnesses where you are and further and further out into the world. That means an outward action to which you and I are called. That's a big deal. You know, you talk about big deals and you talk about fans, yeah? I mean, everybody is a fan of somebody or something. And sports is probably the second, if not the first biggest religion in our country today. Everybody's a fan of somebody, whether it's an individual or a team. And we dress up. We pay hundreds of dollars for a ticket. We get jerseys. We get autographs. We spend parts of our time being part of a club. And that that's all socially acceptable. We, we smile about that, even as we participate. But being a fan of Jesus, that's counterintuitive to so many people in the world, if not downright offensive to some people. You know what the, the full word of fan is? What it's short for? Fanatics. And that's the word that comes out when people say, hey, you've got too much religion. Uh, you're too much about Jesus. You're too much about what you as a congregation are called to do. And we get written off. It's okay to be a fan here and there about other things, but not of our Lord. But that's exactly what the Lord's passion produces. He was a fan. We can be fans. Think about two things. God's passion is exactly that, his love for us. That's why he created us. He didn't have to, but he loved us even before he created us. And as we live, that's his passion, is for our welfare. Even to the point, as broken people, we needed to be put back together. And he gave up. He gave up his son, his one and only son. Talk about what passion produces, like Abraham was called to give up Isaac as his one and only. God gave up his son and Jesus came to live, to die. And God raised him in his passion, just as Jesus' work on earth. It wasn't for himself. It was for others. We hear about that regularly. It's important. Compassion. That's what passion leads to, is a suffering with. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That's why Paul could write in Romans God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait. God didn't put the onus on us to come back to him. His passion led him to us. So that receiving it and recognizing it, our passion can be outward directed. And, and that's the other part, you see. God's passion and the resulting passion we have. If God's gone to such great lengths, and if he continues to go to such great lengths, what can we do but share that passion 
it not only rubs off, it takes hold of us deep within. And like James wrote in today's second reading, our faith is shown. It's not just a matter of heart and mind that we keep bundled up. It's something that is active. It's something that is demonstrated with passion. People can see who lives within our hearts. So, this is the beginning of health. Passion. It's more than just a physical passion for somebody's health. It's spiritual as well. Our health is about passion, which is in part, in part a feeling, but it's demonstrable feeling. It's faith at work, to be sure. A passion for Jesus who showed us not just in words, but in his life with a mission, a mission for the lost, a mission that has become ours as a church. I can say that we have this understanding and I can see this passion at work among the people of St. Michael. And those of you who aren't, I, I hope and pray that you can see it as well as the people of God in this place and other places too. It's alive in other places as well that God's passion is reflected in our feelings and in what we do. It's by God's direction. It's by his power. And do you remember what St. Paul wrote in another letter, the great chapter about love? He concluded it all by saying, faith and hope and love, these three abide. But the greatest of these is love. And what better way to define passion than that kind of love? So, I can say to you what was written a long time ago by Paul to the Colossians. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, your passion, as working for the Lord, not human masters. May God grant that. For the sake of Christ, amen.